Hi, Janina. Hi, Emma. Hi. Technically, I feel like I should be saying Happy New Year, even though this is sort of our second episode, but it's the first time that we've recorded an episode in 2019. It is. We haven't recorded since, like, November. I know. Well, you left the hemisphere very rudely. I did. I did do that. And I'm paying the price now. Yeah. Well, this is your punishment for going and having some summer, like extra bonus and like summer that none of the rest of us get. I did get some nice summer and that was good. Yeah. And now I have some horrible jet lag, which I feel like is, <laughs> is lasting way longer than I want it to. Apparently, and I don't know if this is entirely made up, apparently it takes one day per time zone that you crossed to recover from jet lag. Oh, I did not um, know that. How many time zones do you cross when you go to New Zealand? Twelve. Oh. Well, so, so you should be coming to the end of it now. It should be coming to the end of it. I think basically I just am not sleeping properly oh. because I still don't really know what's up in the body. <laughs> what day it is, what time of day it is, who you are, where you are. So I'm very sorry. I'm going to be a slight mess. <laughs> That's okay. We'll let you off. <laughs> just as one time, though. Um, you had a very exciting christmas and new year period i did have a very exciting christmas and new year period i was proposed to that's the best and then i said yes after saying what and <laughs> is this really happening a couple of times uh, <laughs> that so is adorable I, I am betrothed to be married uh, i like the use of the word betrothed we don't say enough we it's, don't it's better than engaged I think it's because it strongly implies that my dad did it and I oh, was not necessarily shoot. in the room, whereas my dad didn't know. Though my dad was so surprised because I think he'd a little bit written me off. <laughs> as, not in like a, oh, she's on the shelf way, but in a, oh, I'm a, you know, 35, probably just not going to bother kind of way. And so I rang him on Christmas Eve to tell him and he was so surprised that he fell into the wall <laughs> and he was at his friend's house having like their christmas eve dinner thing they do he fell into the wall and knocked their picture off the wall <laughs> and then yeah. the rest of the conversation was him going oh that's wonderful and also trying to direct people picking up a picture off the floor. <laughs> so yeah he was more surprised than i was bless him <laughs> it is really adorable it was I, adorable i've had like a weird i feel like i was having weird conversations with people relatively recently about men who still ask their girlfriends. Oh, that's because there was that Reddit thing. Oh, there was a Reddit thing. Yeah, and there was a woman who wouldn't agree to marry the guy unless he asked her parents' permission. And he said he would ask for their blessing but not their permission. And they were having a real argument about the wording as to whether she needed her dad's permission to get married and he wanted her to say that she didn't need his permission because she could decide herself to get married. <laughs> that yeah. is depressing. It was a weird one. I think I would say no. If someone asked me to marry them after asking my dad for permission to ask me to marry them, I would say no on principle. See, this was a weird thing, though, because it was her saying that she wouldn't do it unless he asked her dad for permission. Um, and, her, and the boyfriend was saying that's weird and fucked up you don't belong to your dad and I'm not yeah. getting him involved in our relationship and she was like yeah so was a, I wonder how that ended up well if they, it seems like there may be some, were some fundamental <laughs> incompatibilities possibly but I mean that's the case with virtually everybody who is on reddit so it's true because they've gone to reddit for <laughs> quest, like for help <laughs> I feel like if you go to Reddit, you already know the answer. Yeah, you're just looking for somebody to say, it's all right, you can just break up with them if you want. Yeah, you're allowed. You're yeah. allowed to not be in your crappy relationship. Anyway, what but do that's... we do here on History is Sexy apart from talk about Reddit being judgmental about other people's <laughs> relationships? Uh, we're judgmental about people's relationships in the past mm-hmm. because we answer people's questions about history and show them that history is sexy. Mm-hmm. And today is a good one to do for this episode because one, I think this is our 26th episode, which means we've been in this for a full year. Woo! 
And also, it is the first episode of the recording in a new year. Mm-hmm. So the question comes from Victoria McCann on Facebook. I think it's our first Facebook question too. And she says, before AD and BC, what did people classify years as? Which is seemingly a very simple question, but we're going to turn it into a complicated one because as you know, <laughs> the unofficial subtitle of this podcast is History is also complicated. It's very complicated. And I feel like this is one of those questions that because we live in a global society now, it all seems like everyone does the same thing now. Which yeah. they, I mean, they don't necessarily. And also in the past, that definitely wasn't the case because no one was talking to each other at all. Yeah, nobody talked to each other. Well, they did talk to each other, they just didn't necessarily agree on much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But i tell you what I learned, actually, which is something that I did not know, was how late AD and BC dating was adopted kind of formally in Europe, which it wasn't really used by the papacy, by the church, until like the 11th century. Mm-hmm. And the first country to officially adopt it, obviously it was catholic countries that started using it was portugal in 1422 oh wow which is really late it's really late yeah like you think of it as something that like jesus was born and then 33 years later he died and then everybody was like oh well, it's adbc now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but no it wasn't invented as a system until 525 ad and he invented it because the so it was invented by um eastern bishop called dionysus exegus mm-hmm. and he invented it because up until that point the eastern church had been using Diocletian eras or the era of the martyrs which is starting counting the era that they were in from the first year of the rule of the emperor Diocletian so Mm -hmm. they were using year one as what would be 284 AD but uh, Dionysius decided that he didn't want to be glorifying Diocletian anymore because Diocletian persecuted loads of Christians. Sure, that seems fair. And was very anti-Christian, to be honest. <laughs> so he decided that he didn't want to be counting from him anymore, so he made up a new system, and his new system was counting from the birth of Christ. So he counted... So he invented BC as before Christ... Mm-hmm. which used to be ante Christum natum or ACN or ACRN or whatever, so before the birth of Christ. And then AD is not after death, because that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Even though every child... Like, that would leave like a 33-year gap. It would. <laughs> the past and the present, which you can't really have. No, that would just be a 30-year gap of what year did that happen? (laughs) There would just be, yeah, a bizarre gap. Like, or you'd have to have a third era, like like when Christ was alive era. (laughs) What I like about AD and BC is that we stopped using Latin for BC but kept on (laughs) for AD just for no reason. I think because... Like, we've gone English... For the past and Latin yeah. for the present. I think it's probably because BC is a bit, it's just a bit snappier because they were using variations on a.chr.n or a.ch.n or like quite a lot of variations on that. It wasn't particularly standardised mm-hmm. or were just saying in the 60th year before the birth of Christ, which is not very snappy, whereas it's BC not. is a bit snappier. So that, yeah, it just works a little bit better. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's not after death. It is in the year of our Lord. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, once you start nice. thinking about it hard enough or more than not at all, which is what we usually do, just not think about it at all, like to be counting everything that we do from the birth of Christ and consider it all to be in the year of the Lord is to define everything as inherently kind of Christian. It's not yeah, even that's after death almost makes... like A lot of cultures date their calendars from a an important religious event or important religious figure. Yes, and that is the main way that like 
we it is a religious dating system that we use and that's what ADVC is but we will to answer the question first before that it depended on where you were <laughs> before anybody started using BCAD it depended on what empire you were in and basically who your king was pretty much mm-hmm. which is where things like Chinese dynasties come from right yeah like the reign of a particular branch of the royal family exactly and that is the case for pretty much everywhere that they wrote stuff down so the Sumerian king lists the Babylonian king lists the Egyptian king lists like they all say they keep a track of like how long a a a reign was in terms of either lunar or solar years because this is the other thing, is that not everybody counts years the same <laughs> in order to make things really complicated. Basically, you know, every culture has their own way of counting a year, whether it's by the moon or by the sun or by whatever. And then they say, so Tutankhamun ruled for two years and then the Third ruled for five years. And so you can say this is the third year of the reign of Hatshepsut and in the fourth year of the reign of Ramesses II, this happened. Mm-hmm. And that's how you'd basically know where you are, which is useful. In the Roman world and in places where they didn't have kings, which is pretty much just the Romans and the Athenians, (laughs) they used like the top officials. So the whole Roman calendar is consulships. So they used in the consulship of Marcus, whatever, and Fulvius, whoever. And then in the second consulship of Sulla and the first consulship of whatever. So that's how you know what year you're in. And you see whenever they are trying, like when they're dating stuff, so they'll say the next year, the consul, it was the second consulship of Claudius and his co-consul was whoever. And it was like a under the empire, it was a special honour to be the consul at the beginning of the year because they started giving out consulships as like a special prize, basically. So sometimes they would be like, have five consuls in a year. Yeah, so it was like being a co-consul with the emperor was a pretty good prize, like the best <laughs> prize when you've got a dictator. And so they would say five people got to be consul alongside the emperor one year. But the mm-hmm. like, ex- the most extra special one would be the one who got to be consul first because his name would go on the year because right. that year would then forever be known as the fifth consulship of Nero and whoever. Sure, sure. So basically, like the year that you're starting with, yeah, such and such. And in Athens, they use the archon, who's like a kind of general. So sometimes, if like people are writing for dual audiences. So if, don't, don't know if you remember Phlegon of Trials with his ludicrous stories about centaurs <laughs> and people mm-hmm. changing sex halfway through the day and giants and things. But he likes to be really scientific and date things by saying that they happened in the consulship of Marcus Plautius Hypatius and Marcus Fulvius Flaccus mm-hmm. and when Jason was Archon in Athens. So then you know, like, no matter where you're from, you know what year it is. So you're basically using whoever the most important person in the judicial world is, basically, is how you decide on what year you're in. And then if you need to work out what that is, you can go and look at the king lists which are written down, or you can go and look at the list of consulships, consuls which are written down and go, aha, okay, so that's 10 years ago. If but you happen Rome, to be nearby one. Rome also counted from the fa- its foundation as well as not, consulships. Mm, not really. They no? wouldn't... No, there is a medieval thing, um, like an early medieval thing, which is and a kind of renaissance thing where people started putting mm. ad herb conditor on things right. in order to make themselves look like they were counting from... The foundation of Rome, it's like a medieval... The renaissance Europe. people did like to misinterpret 
everything. Yeah. And the only th- <laughs> the Romans did have a thing where they had a, what are called secular games, mm-hmm. which is not nothing to do with being secular, but is to do with the fact that secular is either a hundred or a hundred and ten years, mm-hmm. and was considered to be the the longest a human could possibly live. And are these so, the games that were meant to be held every hundred years, but actually were held whenever the emperor wanted to pretend yes. that he was important? You've read my book. I have read your book. <laughs> yeah, so Claudius basically, did, did yeah. some right, and then Domitian did some like twenty years later. Yeah. Yeah, so they are supposed to be held every 100 or 110 years and they were counting from the beginning, from so from the foundation of Rome. So they would be like, it has been 700 years since the foundation of Rome. But that was really, like, they weren't going around saying, this year is 751 years since the foundation of Rome. Like, they wouldn't count stuff that way or they wouldn't, like, I don't know send each other messages and be like I will see you in the I don't know this happened 712 years since the foundation of Rome do you know what I mean yeah they'd like that's not how they counted stuff they counted stuff by saying by using the consoles like that was the usual way it is a kind of reflect a renaissance reflection backwards of loving Rome and loving the idea of Rome and Mm -hmm. wanting to be a bit Roman and therefore inventing the idea of the the big from the foundation of the city which they are helped along to be fair by the one of the major sources which is Livy who called his book Ad Herb Caditia which is from the a history of Rome from the foundation of this the city yeah it's a stretch right if I was to say a history of you know England from X point in its history, they wouldn't mean we were counting from there. They would just be like, this is the period of history I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, you would be. I'm not saying that the people of the Middle Ages didn't do quite a lot of stretching. <laughs> I found but that this was one of bit, the... bit by some said by some random in the Guardian mm-hmm. that I wanted to check with you because it's fuck <laughs> um, Oh God, it's probably going to turn out to be true. <laughs> I'm gonna just read this. I'm just gonna quote it because I okay. am not sure I know what it means. So some random in the Guardian said the following. The monk who calculated AD from AUC, that's um, Ab Uge Kedita, mm-hmm. forgot that the Emperor Augustus ruled for four years as Octavian before he changed his name, and this error remains in the system? Yeah. Also, he counted it in Roman, not Arabic numerals, did not include <laughs> the years 0 BC and AD 0. Yeah. Yes. So can you explain what the fuck that means to me? So yeah, so there's no a there's no year zero. Mm-hmm. There is one BC and then there is one AD. There is Wouldn't no that makes like, sense to me. I don't think there should be a year zero. Yeah. That's, why would you? That's like just like the year that wasn't. Yeah, and that is because one they're counting from before Christ was born and then the point at Christ was born. So yeah. there's no in between period where there would be a zero. And two because it was being come up with by a Greek who was using. Greek and Latin, and did not have access to the the zero. Sure. So zero is an Arabic and Eastern invention. The West lived without zero for a very long time <laughs> in a thing that seems utterly baffling. It does, seem, it does seem very baffling. Like, you don't have the concept of none. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Or at least the mathematical concept yes. of zero. They just yeah. did not have that. They just didn't have a zero. So, yeah, so there isn't that. And, yes, there is... There's quite a lot of kind of arguing, obviously, about, like, when you count one from mm-hmm. within, like, between monks and even modern-day theologians. Because <clears throat> even without the issue of, like, the Octavian Augustus issue, which is an issue, mm-hmm. there is also how do you date Christ's life, basically? Because we all say 33 now, but... Yeah. the like closest thing in the gospels is when they say in around about his 30th year (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like about 30 years after that like they're not particularly specific about anything or about when anything was happening they kind of work it out from when censuses were done but again not super specific 
so yeah no that's totally true there is so there's there's quite a lot of debate over i like the way that that person has phrased it because it suggests that there is a definite date Mm -hmm. and that there's there's been some kind of objective miscalculation yeah (laughs) like that you can specifically say oh look there's an objective mistake that has been made but whereas like there's no there is no objective correct answer it's not like one plus one equals two yeah exactly yeah. i just um, i don't understand how augustus changing his name leads to a hole in a calendar or well it's because they would be counting back like through rains basically and then saying oh well this census happened here in the reign of augustus so it must be this one and forgetting okay. that the same person was also octavian so it could have been a different census in the previous what Dionysius thought was a previous reign but isn't it's the same reign if you see what I mean okay yeah I think maybe you have to understand more about how they how (laughs) and when they held censuses to yeah to propagate their one yeah and then we also have the issue and this is something that Oliver did a lot of research on and I don't I find this very challenging to wrap my head around because I am a person who likes to think about small things like people (laughs) And thinking about big things like stars and maths makes my head hurt, which is that obviously they were using the Julian calendar when they were adding this up, which is the calendar that Julius Caesar brought in because previous to Julius Caesar, they had Romans had been using a lunar calendar of months of 30 days, Mm -hmm. which does not match up to the actual movement of the sun around of the sun around the earth of the earth around the sun (laughs) going back in time now this is a problem i think for everyone because it is and it's i guess just the universe's fault because the universe's fault the earth does not go around the sun in a tidy number of days it's messy and it It does and we can't keep up with it it's three three hundred and sixty five and a bit days. Yeah, so there are quite a lot of calendars there. Like this calendar is X amount of months of X amount of days, and then at the end there are another three days. Yeah, and what the Romans used to do was they would have twelve months of thirty days, and then every so often the head priest would add an extra bonus month in. Oh yes, I think we've talked about this before on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> it's delightful. So every so often, but what happened was when there were decades of civil war is that nobody got round to adding in the extra bonus months. So the calendar drifted from the actual physical seasons by almost six months. (laughs) (laughs) So they were, and again, yeah, we have said this before, they were, you know, celebrating their winter festivals in spring. Uh, I like that they just kept kept on. They were like, well, it's it's in my diary, so I'm going to do it. Um, And it was becoming, they were like, "Mm, it says it's like the 3rd of December, but this is, it's obviously not. (laughs) But But it's very warm. It feels like basically none of the calendars agreed and everyone was doing their own thing, but they do tend to revolve around the cycle of the moon and seasons. That's what we've got. Yeah. That's how we pin down our place. Yeah, so like the earliest ones use the moon mostly and then like solar calendars are a bit later. So we now have the Gregorian calendar, which is what we use now, which is the one that uses leap years. So because it's close enough to 365 and a quarter days to go around the sun. So that's why we get an extra year every four years. Um, Which when you think about it... an extra day, sorry, every four years. You don't just shove an extra day in there. It feels like a day should be a thing, <laughs> but otherwise, eventually those days would add up. We're going to get to this in a bit because I do want to talk about the phantom time hypothesis, which is one of my favourite things. Mm-hmm. But basically, the Gregorian calendar was brought in because the Julian calendar was not perfect and over the thousand years or so it had drifted away by a few days and was getting like people were celebrating the end of the year when it clearly wasn't the end of the year but there are lots of different ways of measuring things yeah. i quite and I like mean, it is still contested now like you some people measure the seasons from the calendar so they will tell you that winter starts on the first of december for example whereas others yes. measure it from the equinox equinoxes and solstices 
and so that winter starts on usually on or around the 20th of December. Um, yes. That's when the winter solstice is. And that's still, like, it's just debated and there's no one rule. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, we celebrate within our calendar or within our calendar, but we have, we accommodate within the Western calendar, the Gregorian calendar, that we use other calendar ways of counting the year as well so we everybody knows that chinese new year comes up in february mm-hmm. and like quite a lot of people don't celebrate it but acknowledge it in some way like it is enough of a thing in the west that you know it's happening yeah because there's enough kind of chinatowns and everywhere to know when it's happening and that's because they use a different way of counting and use a, a lunar calendar so they count it on the first new moon that appears between January and February, I think. So they count it on the lunar year. And then we have Jewish New Year, which is Rosh Hashanah, and we count that as well and things like that. So we ex- acknowledge that they are there. And the Islamic calendar counts things differently as well because they also use a lunar calendar. And obviously all of these calendars count these this year as... A different year mm-hmm. so yeah so they're all tracking from a different from a point. different point so this year in february is going to be the year of the pig in the chinese new year mm-hmm. so that's good it's good love pigs they're very smart they are very Got smart pigs in my stardew valley farm finding me lots of truffle <laughs> <laughs> yeah what, what do they do they just they just potter around and every so often a truffle appears where they were and you can sell oh, it for lots of money. That's good. It's I believe that the year that I was born was the year of the pig. So that's good. I don't good. know what mine was. I don't think it was pig. But we weren't born that far apart. I'm 1983, were you? I'm 1982, but at the end oh. of it. Well, then you would be... Well, I'm year of pig, so... Wait, maybe, I'm, a, I'm probably just whatever came before that. Anyway. You'll be what... Which I don't know, I'm afraid. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's what they're counting. In the Jewish calendar, There, well, there are various different ways that Jewish communities have counted. They currently use one called Anno Mundi, which is the one that Christians also used to use before they got onto ADBC which is in the year of the world, so from the point of the creation of the earth. Mm-hmm. But Jews and Christians counted differently as to when the earth was created. <laughs> so the most... I mean, and obviously there is a lot of argument over this as well. <laughs> but as a general, <laughs> Christians believed that Christ was born in the year 5,500, so 5,500 years from the birth of Christ, from the birth of Christ, from the creation of the earth. Mm-hmm. And they get Which real is specific. What younger creationists still believe. They do, but they're also still going around saying that the world is 6,000 years old. So yeah. just, uh, I just... don't know that counting is that. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Um, it's one of the, this is one of those things I try not to be, you know, people believe what they believe and that's fine and there are some things that i just cannot get my head around the why <laughs> the why? young earth creationism it's very very not true i'm sorry young earth creationists you're <laughs> just wrong yeah another another set of dating of that dates that earth is being created in 3114 bc making jesus born on the year 3,115. But that's like, we know, like, Egyptian civilization is older than that, right? We've, I mean, yes. We've been through we will, that. Mm, we'll get to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the as a general rule, uh, that's how, well, Christians have extensive debates over how old they think the earth is, and they some of them are very specific. <laughs> Jews, on the other hand, also have extensive debates and are also very specific, but they think that this year right now is the year 5,779. Mm-hmm. So if you're counting the Jewish calendar, it would be AM 5779. And then they consider that the world was begun at sunset on the 6th of October... 3,561 BC. I, I, I do not think that's true. 
I'm very sorry, <laughs> if everyone, uh, <laughs> all, all people of the Jewish faith, uh, I don't think that's true. Yeah, but then there have also been other... One that I quite liked that I discovered was that there was a period where some Eastern Jewish communities were using destruction era, where they were counting from the destruction of the Second Temple. So, mm-hmm. where it's, so this would be... So it's 70 AD that was destroyed. So this would, you know, be... Math is not my strong point. Two thousand and eighty-nine years of the in the destruction era, um, because the temple has not been rebuilt. So that's all good. And then that Islamic calendar counts year one as the year that Muhammad and his followers left Mecca, and moved to Medina. It was like five seventy-nine, six twenty-two. Twenty-two. I just number, <laughs> didn't I? Yeah, he did. It was good. Yeah, and I they was sure that I had remembered that right. I, there was no reason why I would have. <laughs> I enjoyed your confidence, though. <laughs> Look, we've got to live with the confidence of a mediocre white man, or yeah, what? Oh, white, white what brother. Yeah. Um, so they count. So this is the year one thousand four hundred and forty AH. So there's like lots of different ways of of counting the year, which is quite fun. And I also discovered that some Islamic writers, instead of writing... So there's another thing which I quite like, which is that now there is a movement which I am into to stop saying AD, BC, and say BCE and CE, which is either common era or current era, Mm -hmm. which maintains the BC, AD counting but removes the explicit Christianness from it. Mm-hmm. And so I almost always use BCE and CE. Yeah, I had to Google it when I read your book. I had no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Like I knew I knew that they meant the same things because you can get that from context. Yeah. But, um but yeah, I hadn't I'd always just taken BC and AD for granted. I didn't know that there was another option out there. Yeah, I used to resist it on the basis that it is still using the same counting system. But I think in terms of, I think it is a bit more inclusive and not saying in the year of our Lord is just a bit more inclusive and inclusivity of any kind has got to be better. It's kind of weird when you think about it to be naming the era that you're in. Yeah. Because for most eras, I mean, obviously, we're looking back on them so that you can, and it's all made up, obviously, because everything is connected and everything merges and there are no hard lines, but... You can see trends and decide. Okay, this is where this is where we're drawing this line. Like, yeah, the industrial revolution was a line in the sand that separated two little mini eras, and there's things like that. But when you're in, this is the era that we're in, so we don't really know what it is, and we don't know what. Yeah, like what what's we'll it going to be it for people? Like when people look back on this era in a thousand years, we don't know what will define yeah. it. Yeah, like when you. When you look back, like even looking back, like I say, a hundred years, and you go to like the period that we now call between the wars, like nineteen twenties and thirties, and it's now studied as a fairly discrete period, but obviously nobody in nineteen twenty two thought they were living between the wars. No, <laughs> but that's now a, a, an era that we have created. It's my favorite time travel trope is telling someone that there's going to be another world war. <laughs> it's devastating. Oh, that's a sad time. It's really sad. That's made me sad now. No, I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. Periodization is a whole area of things that I really enjoy because my PhD was on a set of centuries, which gets called about fifty different things if it's ever called anything at all. Mm. I guess a called. We talked about this slightly previously. It gets called the post-Roman world. It gets called the early Middle Ages. It gets called late antiquity. It gets mm. called. The Dark Ages. Is that what the Dark the... Ages referred to? Hmm? I thought the Dark Ages were later than that. When my PhD would be bang on the Dark Ages because it was 400 okay. to 700 AD, which is okay. the exact period where, like, I don't know, Rome falls in 410 and then Charlemagne comes along in about 800. So <laughs> it's the exact period that everyone writes off as a shithole. <laughs> Like the oh yeah, nothing happened. It was just mud people in their sad mud place. <laughs> <laughs> um, so judgmental. 
maybe they yeah, I know, it. so judgmental. But periodization in, interests me because of all that stuff. So yeah, so it's an it's an interesting thing how people classify time and the time they're living in and the year that they're living in because it kind of says what they think is important to them. Yeah. Oliver told me, well, he told me, Oliver made a lot of notes, so I'm calling it telling me, and I did not know this, that the f- under the French Republic, they invented a new calendar called the metric calendar yes, they did <laughs> where they had 100 minutes in an hour 10 hours in a day 10 days in a week 30 days in a month and 12 months in a year and the 12 is really throwing stuff off a little bit <laughs> i really this is the thing i like about sort of revolutionary france and its theories it's all just fuck everyone like yeah they just went in there like fuck the calendar fuck <laughs> the monarchy yeah just, no, we're not having any of it out of no, like well not out of nowhere obviously out of just years gonna... of um, oppression and mistreatment but um, I just, after all I this just time they it. decided they were going to really tidy up how many minutes were in an hour but they were never <laughs> going to get around to saying 99 any better than they do catch a van nerf is a stupid way of saying a number <laughs> I mean when you get down to hours and minutes and things that is a Buck wild one of, to try and lock down how we arrived at it. Like we yeah. have seconds, right? It's and we take them for granted. We take yeah. for granted that a second is a finite and defined <laughs> measure of time. But someone just made it up, and it's yeah, they did just based on the word Mississippi. You know? Yeah, and. The, see, that's the whole thing of, like, how do you measure what hour we're in? We talked about that with the Romans before. They just had 12 hours and they would just divide up how much time is in the day and be like... And it basically used sundials and astronomical stuff. And, though like, the Greeks used water clocks, so it would just be like, look, there's a pint of water in there or however... There's, a, like, there's a pot of water. However much time it takes for the water to get out of that pot, that's <laughs> as much time as you've got to do the thing you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> And there's no real standardization on that. That's fascinating. Because a yeah. day, I can get. There's a reason a day is a day. Yeah. But the rest of it, you go smaller than that, someone just made it up. Yeah, they're all just dividing it into arbitrary numbers. Arbitrary numbers, yeah. And as all someone who arbitrary. is like completely impatient with countries who insist on, like, like the UK, insist on still <laughs> using some imperial measurements. When metric makes so much more sense. I have a lot of sympathy with being like, no, it's a hundred and ten. Done. <laughs> that's that's it. Yeah. And then twelve, just to throw everything. I mean twelve, you know, you can't you know, that's that's moon cycles and the earth going around the sun. That's a harder one to metricize. Metricize. Yeah. But I appreciate the effort. Yeah, yeah. Well done, France. I you can tell it wasn't really needed by the fact they didn't stick though like like things like the julian calendar reform was needed so it stuck and the gregorian calendar form which is going to be my segue into my favorite thing to talk (laughs) about i've decided now is so the gregorian calendar reform comes about because time had drifted by about 10 days Mm -hmm. and it was about 10 days out so Pope Gregory decided that everything needed to be fixed. Pope Gregory VIII and the invent basically brought in leap years, which is useful. And then I once read a really good book, an absolutely barking mad book, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it, which is by Mary Gentle. And it's called Sundial in a Grave. And it has the it, one of the major plot issues is that France I can't remember what way around it is now but like France has adopted the Gregorian calendar but the UK or the England hasn't yet or the other way around I can't remember and therefore all the dates are fucked up (laughs) and nobody and the characters travel from France to England and quite a lot of backing and forthing about what the fuck day it is (laughs) (laughs) and what year it is because obviously 10 days adds up fairly reasonably into like a different change yeah yeah it's good fun <laughs> highly recommend it it's absolutely bonkers it's, i mean a lot of this is bonkers it's bonkers that we've ended up with weeks that don't fit into our months yes it's bonkers uh, <laughs> anyway now i'm gonna use this to to segue into the phantom time hypothesis very clunkily okay great so the Invention of the Gregorian calendar is used by utter lunatics, (laughs) brilliant, wonderful, glorious, imaginative lunatics to argue 
that the entire time period from the year 614 AD mm-hmm. CE to the year 911 is imaginary. <laughs> okay. Not only is it imaginary, it was deliberately falsified by a conspiracy of the Holy Roman Empire Emperor Otto III, Pope Sylvester II and Constantine VII, uh, the Byzantine Empire, to pretend that the year that they were living in was actually 1000 AD. Uh In order that they could celebrate 1000 AD 200 years early. Right. So they just invented 200 years and then particularly Constantine, but all of them, then invented and forged a huge number of evidence (laughs) for everything that allegedly happened between 614 and 9-11. So So they basically made up 300 years of history and then then forged forged documents to prove that it happened. That includes the entire. Has Dan Brown written a novel about this? Because I <laughs> not really yet. want one. Actually, to be fair, I have not read. I've read one Dan Brown novel, so I can't promise. Yeah, that no, he me hasn't. too. I've only read The Da Vinci Code, but I really it's, would like yeah. a Dan Brown esque novel about this conspiracy. Please Possibly consider this in order. He doesn't know about it yet, but if we wrote him a letter, oh, I think he'd be keen. He'd be well the, up for it. So this was invented by a man called Herbert Illig. It's a great name. It is a good name. And he... Now, you think he's German. We've done some stuff on this before. Maybe he is one of those dudes from, like, the Nazi period who was coming up with esoteric ideas. No, Janina, he published this in 1990. He most recently published on this in 2013. Oh, my God. (laughs) People are publishing on this right now this is a very modern thing anyway so he invented this and one of his proofs i'm sorry i haven't recovered (laughs) (laughs) do you need a minute like just take a deep breath i thought it was like some bullshit they were coming up with in like the 1600s or the 1700s (laughs) and they didn't have like technology and carbon dating and whatever else we use to figure out what the fuck happened. No, he probably faxed this to somebody. Holy shit. Just, you know, I know we've talked a lot about weird things that people believe. And it just, I think maybe what we need to do is just be impressed by the human brain's capacity for just bullshit and like it, yeah. believing in it so hard. Yes. It's kind of beautiful. I mean, it's not, it's like this, this, Rivals flat earthers who endlessly fascinate me. You can watch him on YouTube if you want to. No, he's not a YouTuber. I mean, he's not like a YouTuber, like, you know, PewDiePie, but there are things of him talking on YouTube. He doesn't doesn't have his own YouTube channel? Not to my knowledge. Okay, thank Christ. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I'm, yeah, no, I don't believe so, but he is, he's out and about doing his thing. Wow. Yeah, he's still alive. He's still around. I like. Um, okay, so there are two things about this that I just will be delighted by till the end of my days. One that it happened, and it happened yeah. now, and this is a modern theory. And uh, the other thing is that there is a man living now called Herbert <laughs> Illick. <laughs> yes, there is. I mean, it's up there, it's all good. you know, with what's his face, who I love, whose name I now can't remember because I'm jet lagged. <laughs> Ethelred. It's up with the Ethelreds here of it Yeah, Ethelred the Unready. Yeah. 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 So the reason that this does link to the Gregorian calendar is that basically his argument involves some, some basic maths. And this is a kind of thing where you're like, this conspiracy theory is superficially convincing if you don't think about it too hard. Just like so, a Dan Brown novel, which is why they should go hand in hand. Yeah. So the year is 1582. Right? Mm-hmm. And the calendar has drifted by 10 days. So apparently they've calculated it and it's 10 days out of what it should be. Mm-hmm. 
So Ellie calculated, added up and said, how many years would the calendar have to be going to produce an error of 10 days? And the conclusion that he came to was that the calendar would have to be going 1,257 years. And if you take away 1,257 from 1582... Mm-hmm you end up with 325. Sure. Which means that there is a 325-year gap between the year 43, 43, I think, when Julius Caesar brought in his calendar Mm -hmm. and 325 AD. In fact, it's more than that because obviously they're not including the ADs. Um, (laughs) So there's like a, you know, nearly 400-year gap, basically. Sure. And they write about this in this amazing way. So I found this article called Did the Early Middle Ages Really Exist? Which is <laughs> cracking title. And uh, he just goes, duh, 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 where is it? It seems unbelievably that Caesar introduced his calendar in 325 AD. Again, the maths is not great. This is unbelievable because by then he had already been dead for more than 300 years. So basically it says that it would be 13 days out, not 16, not 10 days out if it had been real. So therefore, the entirety of the early Middle Ages is an invention. Sure. That's the only possible explanation. It's the only possible explanation. Yeah, so that's like quite a big chunk of Byzantine history. That's the whole of... Charlemagne and the and beginning of the Holy Roman Empire. That's the entirety of the beginning of Islam. That mm-hmm. is grand. It's like full dynasties in Asia. It is like 300 years <laughs> of, of global history. And naturally, because these people are absolute nonsense people, they focused like almost 100% on western history like Mm -hmm. when they're coming up with their arguments their arguments being basically like oh there's not much archaeology in the early medieval period and there's lots of texts therefore they're probably all made up sure yeah Uh, (laughs) and then lots of other stuff that about dendrochronology which doesn't really make any sense and it's mostly like uh dendrochronology is not perfect actually thanks (laughs) which is not enormously convincing uh, <laughs> and I mean, but, really, the thing is, is that Pope Gregory claimed it was 10 days. Mm-hmm. Based on what? Like, that's based on some sort of, but it's surely based as well on some sort of understanding of the seasons and, and when was, what was supposed to be when. There's, there's no way you can't have three days, error, like, margin of error on that. No, it's impossible because I don't know if you realise. I'll go through the calculation again and you'll see that it is it's not possible. See, it's 1,582 minus 1,257 is 325. So that is, I don't see what there is to argue with there. <laughs> and uh, later in this article, Does the Early Middle Ages Really Exist? There's a hand-drawn chart uh-huh. with all kinds of different things coming off of it which proves everything. It's got big black triangles all over it. Oh, you so can't argue with big black triangles. Or a hand-drawn chart. I don't <laughs> know how you could... don't know what there is to argue with there. This is one of those things where when, like, much like with a lot of conspiracy theories, like, they lay it out in a very serious manner and, like, act like they're showing you lots and lots and lots of evidence and they kind of pile on, like, tiny little bits of evidence. Like, oh, once the... Monumenta Germanica had a conference about falsified papers and then also here's some dendrochronology stuff and also here's some stuff about Arabic coins and also here's some stuff da, 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 da. and you're like overwhelmed with so many tiny little details that you have to take a big step back and go you're saying that 300 years was invented <laughs> like that's not these things don't add up to that thing can you imagine the meeting? You know, <laughs> and they all sit down and they're like, "What are we gonna, what are we gonna do?" I really want it to be the millennium, um, but it's not. Yeah. Shall we just Should lie we just pre- to everyone and hope that the literal entire world goes along with it? Yeah, like in here, in the beginning of the Renaissance, with all of the world connected, that nobody will notice that we've just changed what year it is <laughs> yeah like 
who came up with it first? That's the question. Were the three of them sitting around with all their courtiers with a nice glass of wine and then one goes... What if it was the year 999? Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if... Yeah. It's stacked beautifully nonsensical. (laughs) But it comes about because Illig, who is obviously deranged, was a follower of a guy called uh, Emmanuel Velikovsky, um, who has his own set of bizarre ideas about the world. And he is described as a man who will rewrite all of cosmology and all of science in order to make biblical myth true, right. uh, basically. He is a guy who is absolutely committed to biblical literalism to the extent that he will change literally everything else in order to make the Bible true. He has got a grand theory that the Earth began as a satellite of a proto-Saturn planet. Sure. Which, and that that proto-Saturn explains a lot of biblical events. So when proto-Saturn went supernova, that caused Noah's flood, for example. Sure. And he has a thing that I don't really understand about how the Mercury was involved in the Tower of Babel. Yeah, so he will just, like, the bi- biblical stories are true and literal and anything that doesn't agree with that just has to be changed (laughs) sure makes sense yeah and he came up with a theory which a lot of conspiracy theorists also like which is that lots of historical characters have what he calls ghost doubles Uh so he's telling me more about the ghost doubles (laughs) (laughs) so you think you are reading separate texts about separate people uh-huh. So you think you're reading like, uh, this one text is about this, a lot of it is Egyptian and from the ancient Near East, so it's not exactly like snappy recognisable choices, but you think you're reading about, I don't know, Tutmosis Third, and then you think you're reading this separate text about Alexander the Great, but actually they're the same person who are known by different names in different places. And so it's the same story told in different languages, but they... We think, because we're dumb, that they happened a thousand years apart, but they didn't. They happened at the same time. Great. Sure. No further questions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So he basically has, he basically eliminates, again, it's almost all Egyptian and Near Eastern. So he cuts out about a thousand years or so of middle and new kingdom egyptian history and just says that basically a load of stuff that you think is old kingdom egyptian is actually the same as the ptolemaic period and this guy is the same as this guy and you you're just very confused if you think that these are different periods of history (laughs) yeah and he, so he thinks it's just this grand error, which is quite sweet, really. He also he just is one of these people who has a lot of theories about a lot of stuff and will write anything at all about anything that comes into his head. Yeah, it's interesting. He's an interesting which is man. Fine, you know, go nuts. But like people don't have to pay attention to that. No, they don't. Although his books are very pop like well, they were in the seventies, pretty popular. Like, he published them, obviously, as popular histories, and people liked them for a while there. Because they kind of tied in... They were called Ages of Chaos, his books. Mm-hmm. It's a good title. Uh, it was a good title. And he published them as, like, popular histories, as, like, various popular histories, and they tied into the whole kind of Gaia movement, and they're all tied into the idea of natural global catastrophes and cataclysms, mm-hmm. which he's really into. So I mean, who's there's a not, lot of who's that in there. Cataclysm? Yeah, so it kind of, like, this esoteric kind of thinking people really like. But, yeah, he's a an oddball. And... Illig was a follower of Velikovsky, and so he then developed his own chronology, drawing on the idea that it's totally Ooh. fine to reshape everything that everybody else believes um, yeah. <laughs> in order to make your thing that you've decided true. I mean, you've got to admire the balls. I mean, sure. Yeah. It is spectacularly ballsy to just be like, nah, just loads <laughs> of history didn't happen. My friend Kate, who works at History Today, she's one of the editors of History Today, mm-hmm. once got sent a book by a person claiming that all medieval manuscripts were forgeries. Of course. Yeah. 
It was good fun. Yeah. And was related to this. Yeah. Everything's connected. This is what everything's this connected. Podcast. The I lies mean, are connected as well as the facts. Yeah. The other thing you have to think is like this means that a, like there's a lot of medieval manuscripts. There's a lot of them. They're in libraries all over the world. There's so many of them, and some of them are very very boring, <laughs> and some of them are a bit rubbish. Mm-hmm. And like I mean, they're all useful, but. It just suggests that there was some kind of enormous effort from presumably every church in <laughs> the entirety of Europe, like, well, Western Europe, to spend a lot of time forging a load of manuscripts and illuminated manuscripts in order to create a fairly consistent picture of a 300-year period. Mm-hmm. At the exact time that the church had split into two and couldn't even agree on how what was the right way to read the bible <laughs> like yeah i mean it's it's impressive when people overcome their differences uh in spite of a <laughs> it is and this was one of those truly <laughs> truly binding moments <laughs> Yeah, so now I've got to talk about the Phantom Time Hypothesis, so I was happy. That's very good. That's incredible. I'm so delighted that I hadn't researched that or even read the thing that was going to announce it all because I it could not be better than just hearing it from you now. It's just made me so happy. Yeah. Those I, are not the only like weirdo time chronology people. There are lots. I bet but, there are. Yeah, uh, but they're all great. Mostly they say the church was bad. Sure, which is the church is. We've talked about the church as some kind of great overarching thing before. Yeah, it's a problem. Um, Although in the church or in the Bible, there is one great time marker that I really like as a a very poor and in debt person, which is in one of the old rules from the boring books that you know, you had Leviticus's and Deuteronomy's, is the year of Jubilee. Which yeah. is every which is the forgiveness of debt. Yeah. So every seventy years, all debts were forgiven, and all you had to return anything you'd borrowed to the person you borrowed <laughs> it from, and everything started again from scratch. Which I think is great. Just well, there you go. Everything wiped out, fresh slate, start again. Fresh date, start again. Yeah. Burn the banks, bring back jubilee. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's a good place to end. Yeah. What are we going to talk about next time? Next time, we're going to talk about women in the Viking and Mongolian kingdoms. Ooh. This is from, I'm going to read this wrong. I'm going to assume it's Nick Maparades. But I have like. a real issue with not, with putting, Maparides. with reading people's Twitter handles wrong. I read yours wrong for more years than I'm willing to admit. What did you read <laughs> it as? I, I, I don't even know, you know. I just kind of kept putting the like spaces in words in different places i thought the i was an l for a really long time oh sure um, yeah mm. i don't know but then i was like for a little while i was like maybe it's j9a like janina uh-huh and you were very young when you started <laughs> <laughs> and then just some letters um yeah no. yeah but then but yeah but now i've said you say it out loud so it's all right yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, I'm going to say Nick Maparades, uh, and he said, "Have you ever discussed the roles of women, Viking women in the Viking and Mongolian kingdoms slash empires?" From my knowledge, I believe they had a much larger role than textbooks will credit women with. So yeah. we're going to talk about, I'm excited about Viking that. ladies and Mongolian ladies. I and I think mostly that is there talking... have been like quite recent discoveries about this as well, particularly with Viking women. So I'm quite excited to get into that. Yeah, these are basically cultures which are known to be very martial and they're tend to not mention women very much mm. so i think that will be fun it'll be really fun yeah it's good to be back janina it is good to be back even if i'm like you know i don't have words anymore because i'm so tired that's don't, okay don't travel to the other side of the world kids it's not worth it, <laughs> it's it not worth, worth it, it. I had a lovely time i'm glad yeah so if you have a question that you want to ask us, and Janina might even like force herself to stay awake like she did today, <laughs> then you can contact us at, at @sexyhistorypod on Twitter, or you can email us at sexyhistorypod at gmail Yeah, or we are sexyhistorypod without the e on Facebook. I am taking a break from Twitter because I have to write a book, but I am still there at at nuclear teeth, mm-hmm. and sometimes. 
I may Connor change the password to my Twitter so I literally can't get into it, but eventually I'll let him change it back and then I'll see what people say to me. <laughs> <laughs> there is fear I should do that too, probably. But I won't because I'm terrible. I'm at J9 and <laughs> And lovely Oliver, who is going to do some hardcore editing for this episode, <laughs> is at at Kiwa. And you can subscribe and tell people that you like us and tweet at them and just grab people in the street and say, did you know that history is sexy? Actually, <laughs> um, my lovely friend John, regular listener and of this parish, bought me for Christmas a T-shirt which has our logo on it and then it says on it, my history is sexy is yours so maybe just accost people and say that (laughs) it's a very good t-shirt is it a really good (laughs) t-shirt yeah then that's it yeah great i don't think i've forgotten leave reviews that too yeah like right on the internet that you like us only nice ones don't leave bad ones we won't talk to you if you yeah we're not interested (laughs) don't give a shit yeah we're not changing so (laughs) (laughs) all right bye bye emma